The 2023 Prospect Spotlight Series has come to a close, but we still have some big picture discussions to have in regards to the 2023 NFL Draft and the Miami Dolphins. First up, which a la carte prospects may make sense for the Dolphins at pick 51? You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It's your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast alongside Joe Marino. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. It is Tuesday, April 25th. Special shout out to our everydayers who are tuning in in these two and three days building up to the 2023 NFL Draft. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And today's episode, this episode I should say, we already did interior offensive line position rankings today. And this episode is dedicated to some a la carte options for the Dolphins at pick number 51 in particular. In my preparations for the 2023 NFL Draft, I've graded approximately 100 players that it's all said and done. Uh, going back to some grades that I gave out in the wintertime, reapplying those grades through a Dolphin-specific lens, doing some film work on players in the build-up to the draft. And we are done with the positional series, but if you're going to go off the beaten path, who makes sense for the Dolphins? And if you consider the Dolphins' top needs to be some order of running back, tight end, offensive tackle, right tackle, into your offensive line, left guard, on the defense, on the offensive side of the ball. And on the defensive side of the ball, interior defensive line, linebacker, and potentially a safety. We have done deep dive positional spotlights on six of those seven positions. We're going to talk about safety here as a part of this conversation because there's a couple players who I think from a positional value standpoint might make it to the Dolphins and might make this interesting. So if you are new to this kind of build up to the draft, please just know this. I'm grading players on a 100-point scale, and they are graded and applied through the lens of what traits are needed based on what we're expecting the Dolphins are going to be able to run offensively. I have put together the horizontal draft board, and those of you who are in the subtext have already had a chance to dive into this and see this, but we're going to share some of it, the first three or four tiers of it, here on the show today, and it's the spotlight of, within each position group, how do the prospects tear out? And your objective when you come on the board is to be able to look at the board and say, okay, what row has the highest rated players left in it? And rows are tiers, and then columns are positions. So I'll go ahead and pull that up for those of you who are on the YouTube channel to be able to wrap your mind around what I'm saying. So we have running backs, Pass catchers, specifically tight ends, offensive tackles into your offensive linemen, defensive linemen, linebackers, cornerbacks, and safeties. These are vertical columns on the board, and the horizontal rows are the tiers. And as the tiers get lower, the grades of the players gets worse. And I want to commit a little bit of time to talk about this individual right here who's highlighted on the screen, Jonathan Mingo, wide receiver, Ole Miss. 
I'm not the first Dolphins outlet to mention the name Jonathan Mingo. I know three yards per carry uh, has spotlighted and, and mentioned this name a number of times. I believe it was Chris who said it. And when I saw the buzz from three yards per carry on, on Jonathan Mingo, I knew I needed to watch this player. And as you can see here, he's a tier four player. Uh, and he is the amongst prospects that are eligible in the draft that are on this board. He's the only wide receiver on the board, but I put him in with the, the tight ends just for cleanliness of, of not having to add an extra row, just to have one player in it. The only tight ends that I rank in front of Jonathan Mingo are Darnell Washington, Dalton Kincaid, and Sam Laporta. Washington and Kincaid are Tier 2. Sam Laporta is Tier 3. Mingo is the top of Tier 4, along with Michael Mayer, Luke Schoonmaker, and Tucker Craft. And what really got me excited about Jonathan Mingo was the yards after catch that he brings to the table as a big-bodied wide receiver. And the ways that he was used at Old Miss, I couldn't help but notice, certainly feels like it overlaps with what the MO of the San Francisco 49ers offense has been. Case in point, Mingo, amongst wide receivers, is six foot two. 220 pounds, ran a 4.46, had a 39.5-inch vertical jump, jumped 10 feet 9 in the broad jump, put up 22 reps on the bench press, had a 1.54-second 10-yard split, has 10.5-inch hands. He's a monstrous wide receiver. An absolutely monstrous wide receiver. And the ways in which he's used, whether they're scheming him touches, they're putting him in an H-back alignment, they're putting him in the slot and having him run vertical routes down the field. He's lining up on the perimeter and running vertical routes. I don't think he's a slam dunk for the sense that he's not the most diverse route runner. But if you think about the creativity of Mike McDaniel and all of the things that Mike McDaniel has very quickly established a reputation for, Jonathan Mingo as an a la carte selection to the wide receiver room, it's the same discussion as Darnell Washington in my mind. Darnell Washington as a tight end gives you a different element to what your tight end room looks like right now. Jonathan Mingo brings a different element to your wide receiver room that you do not have right now. You've got vertical down the field, guys, in what we expect Eric Azucama will be at his best because that's what he was at Texas Tech and Chosen Anderson. You have shifty slot guys because you have that in Braxton Berrios and River Craycraft. You have do-it-all, explosive, otherworldly speed receivers of diminutive stature in Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. But you don't have a yak guy with size. And the tight ends that you have aren't yak guys with size. This is a player that, from a multi-tool perspective, I absolutely see what three yards per carry has been talking about when I did the tape. As I'm watching, I'm like, man, I wish he ran more routes, but man, he's got good hands, he's got good ball control, he's got good ball skills, he can win with explosiveness down the field, he's really hard to tackle, and Ole Miss moved him around. And it really caught my attention in a way that I was hoping to see based on the buzz. And Jonathan Mingo lived up to it. So because of that, if you had to put Jonathan Mingo amongst tight ends, the way that I would frame it is unless Darnell Washington, Dalton Kincaid, or Sam Laporta is on the board as at pass catchers, I would not be the least bit disappointed 
if the Dolphins wanted to get another offensive weapon that can block, because he can block his rear end off, who has explosiveness, who has size, who can dig in the box, if they went Mingo over the other options at tight end. That would just mean, okay, then we have to go off the board and we have to go find a blocking tight end to be your tight end three who's just going to be in on short yardage situations. But if the Dolphins want to be more of a spread offense and continue to live in that world with hybrid personnel types, Mingo's enough of a hybrid where I absolutely positively see the vision of what he could bring to the table. And from a run-after-catch perspective, he's got McDaniel written all over. I would agree. Very, very, very impressive athletic profile. Some impressive splash plays on tape for Jonathan Mingo, who did go down to the Senior Bowl and showcased himself very well as well. So uh, consider me a fan of Jonathan Mingo. If you were going to go off the board with your needs with the pick at 51 and go in a different direction. We're going to talk over on the defensive side of the ball, particularly defensive backs here next on the show. But before we get there, grand slams, no hitters, double plays are all back, and there's no better place to get in on the Major League Baseball action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And that's because right now, new customers are getting a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't hit. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Place your first bet and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you do not win. Don't miss your chance to step up to the plate with this no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. So over on the defensive side of the board here, I have a number of candidates at cornerback that I really like for the Dolphins. Which ones predictively end up being there is a little bit of a different story. So I'll go ahead and pull up the horizontal board for those of you who are on YouTube, and I'll describe it for those of you who are not to paint the picture. Let's start at, let's start at safety. The safety position is one of the least impressive groups in this year's class. But I think there's some fine print here that is worth acknowledging as it pertains to the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins hit Brandon Jones as a draft pick from 2020. I'm not a math guy, but 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023. He's in the last year of his rookie contract. Deshaun Elliott signed on a one-year deal, which makes him in the dot, dot, dot last year of his contract with the Dolphins. The Dolphins have two of their top three safeties, and Javon Holland is going into year three. He has two years left on his deal. Two of your top three safeties are expiring contracts at the position, and we heard Chris Greer and Marvin Allen reference that when they made the decision to draft Channing Tindall with a bunch of players last year in one-year contracts with the acknowledgement that it was more of a long-term play than it was immediate dividends in year one. So here's the corners, or here's the safeties that I have on the board in the first four tiers, which is players that I would consider in the first two rounds of the NFL draft. Brian Branch, Alabama. Great. Generally perceived to be the top safety and consensus player. Sidney Brown, Illinois. Jartavius Quan Martin, Illinois. 
that is it. <laughs> that is it for safeties. Now, with where Quan Martin graded, he's he's stacking up with the likes of Luke Schoonmaker, Trenton Simpson, Blake Freeland, Tucker Craft. There's not really a world in which I envision Quan Martin being the best available player for the Dolphins. I don't think that's going to be the case. I also predictively think Brian Branch is going to be off the board by the time the Dolphins come up on the clock. So we'll go ahead and cross his name out, which leaves Sidney Brown as the intrigue player. And if you're not familiar with Sidney Brown, here's what I can tell you about Sidney Brown. Phenomenal athlete. Absolutely, positively phenomenal athlete. 5'10", 211 pounds, 4'47", 40-yard dash, 4'51", 10-yard split, 40.5-inch vertical jump, 10 feet, 10 inches in the standing broad jump, 23 reps on the bench press. As a matter of fact, he puts Brian Branch and his testing numbers to shame. He's an exponentially better athlete than Brian Branch. Well, Brian Branch played at Alabama in the SEC, was one of the most consistent tacklers in all of football. Sidney Brown's not quite that. But if you told me Sidney Brown was going to be the pick at 51, thinking about what versatility he has and projecting it long-term into Vic Vangio's defense, I'm not going to be upset if that's the pick. Here's what I could tell you about Sidney Brown. Matched up against tight ends in man-to-man coverage with consistency throughout his career at Illinois. He had five interceptions last year. He's got good ball skills. He's obviously explosive. He's got good long speed. He fits the run like a bat out of hell with his hair on fire, and he's got an awesome flow. He hits like a ton of bricks. He's built like a superhero. I stood next to him, and, and I'm a little taller than Sydney, but... Sydney looked like he could fold me into quarters and stuff me into a locker. <laughs> Some safeties are really long, lean. Sydney Brown is condensed. He's a jackhammer as a hitter. I genuinely think Sydney Brown would give you the versatility of Javon Holland with the box play and tackling consistency of Brandon Jones. Now, I'm not saying that he's the best of those two players combined, but I'm saying he could fulfill both of their roles. And I think Sidney Brown coming in would be your second most physically talented safety behind Javon Holland. I think Brandon Jones has a leg up. Deshaun Elliott has a leg up as NFL veterans. But this was a guy who also went down to the Senior Bowl and very quickly become a favorite of the coaches in place and all of their communications to get all the calls on the field throughout the course of that week ran through Sidney Brown, and Sidney Brown was connect, correcting everybody on every play. Football intelligence is off the charts. I would pound the table for Sidney Brown. If you told me Sidney Brown's a Tier 3 player, right? His grade was like an 86.5, which is a first-round grade. If you told me it was a matter of Sidney Brown was the only Tier 3 player left on my board, at all of these positions, and there's some positions like quarterback and wide receiver and edge rusher that are not being spotlighted, right? Because they are are not perceived to be needs in any capacity for the Dolphins. Now, we already put the asterisk on wide receiver with Jonathan Mingo, and I'll readily acknowledge that. They're not going to draft a pass rusher, and they already said they're not in the market for quarterbacks. So we axed those two off the list. 
If it was Sidney Brown in tier three and everyone else at more pressing positions was available in tier four, I would pound the table to draft Sidney Brown at 51. I think he is a home run, slam dunk, Antoine Winfield Jr. type of player. And Winfield Jr. in Tampa Bay has gone on to have a massive impact despite the fact that he's short. Sidney Brown is sixth percentile in height. But from an athletic testing perspective, his 10-yard split is 83rd percentile of safety since 1999. His 40-yard dash is 79th percentile since 1999. His vertical jump is 93rd percentile since 1999. His broad jump is 92nd percentile since 1999. His bench rest reps are 91st percentile since 1999. And the tape is phenomenal. For me, it's a no-brainer. If it's a player at a non-primary position of need, and that player Sidney Brown or a tear down for all the other options, give me Sidney Brown. Uh, I, I would more emphatically pound the table for him than I would for uh, Jonathan Mingo, even though I will readily admit I like Jonathan Mingo. He was top of tier four in my rankings uh, that, that I had done kind of a la carte. Now, corner gets interesting because this is a phenomenally deep corner class. There's one player in particular that I think could really move the needle for the Dolphins and I think has a decent chance, decent, of being there at 51. That's who we're going to finish with on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. This episode of Locked on Dolphins is sponsored by BetterHelp. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way that we do until we talk things through. BetterHelp helps connect you with a licensed therapist who can help take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash on today. To get 10% off your first month, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on. Our last player here on the a la carte menu. We'll bring the board back up. These corners that are graded, the, 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 you can see the depth already. Looking at linebackers, you have three linebackers in the first four tiers. Campbell, Henley, Trenton Simpson. They all got prospect spotlights. You don't know about them? Check those shows out. You have three safeties in the first four tiers. Brian Branch, Sidney Brown, Quan Martin. I'll go ahead and uncross out Brian Branch's poor name. You didn't deserve that. Corner, on the other hand, has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight names. Eight names in the first four tiers versus three at linebacker and safety. Devin Witherspoon, tier two, arguable top 10 grade. Christian Gonzalez, Oregon, Joey Porter Jr., Penn State, tier three. For the record, I have Xavier Howard graded out as a He's about an 85 out of 100 points on an NFL curve of the same grading scale, where Witherspoon's about an 88, Christian Gonzalez is like an 87, Joey Porter Jr. is about an 84 and a half. So Zavian Howard's right in 
that mix with hope that a fully healthy Xavier Howard can bounce back and be a better version of himself in 2022. 2023. Wow. Doing math here. Tier four is loaded. So if the Dolphins end up on the board and you get positional runs at these other positions of what are considered to be primary needs and you are looking towards the horizon or you are concerned about the depth at cornerback, which was one of the things that did the Dolphins in last year. Looking to cornerback might not be a bad idea, especially when you have two plus million dollars players at the position annually in Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard. The name I want to highlight has not gotten the first-round buzz of some of the other names around him, and that's Julius Brents from Kansas State. Deontay Banks, who I graded for the Dolphins scheme below Brents, and Emmanuel Forbes, who I graded below Brents at the cornerback position for the traits that I think the Dolphins should be looking for, are both getting consensus first-round buzz. Brents is not. And the reason Brents is not is because he ran a four, mid-4-5 four, 40-yard dash. But here's the dirty little secret. When you are going to play as much quarters, zone match, cover three, and press in man, if you don't run a 4-4 flat, it's not the end of the world, especially if you're an instinctual player and long in zone. How's this for long? Julius Brents has a 99th percentile. He's effectively top of the charts amongst cornerbacks since 1999 to come through the NFL Combine. His height at 6'2 and 3 quarters is 96th percentile. There's only 4% of NFL Combine since 1999 corners who are taller than Julius Brents. His arm length, 34 inches, is that of a pass rusher. And yes, he ran a 4.53 in the 40-yard dash, but he's 96th percentile in vertical jump, 99th percentile in broad jump. He's over 11 feet in the broad jump, 11.6. And his three-cone drill, which is designed to test his lateral agility and is traditionally harder for bigger corners, was 93rd percentile with an otherworldly 6.63 seconds. If you're going to overthink Julius Brents because he ran a 4.53 without recognizing that with 34-inch arms, his ability to stay in face with receivers down the field is exponentially greater than your average corner with 31 and a half inch arms. Three and a half inches. When you extend and reach for the ball, that's a huge difference at the cornerback position playing on the perimeter. And by the way, he's going to be playing from depth at a number of times and playing zone coverage. If Julius Brents was considered at the time of the Dolphins pick at 51 to be the best player on the board, I would also advocate for him to be the pick. I think he's extremely physically gifted. He plays a premium position. He resets your financial clock at what is by far and away your current largest expenditure position room in the, in, on the roster. Frees up your flexibility long-term to make a transition assuming Brent's hits the way that we think he's capable of. I think out of all of the corners available, he'd probably be my favorite fit for the Dolphins as well. Now, Devin Witherspoon, yeah, he's going to contend for that, but he also graded 
four points higher than Julius Brents and is going to go in the top 10 picks. So of course he will. So what I want to do to close this, we've done the a la carte, and we acknowledge three players, Jonathan Mingo, Sidney Brown, and Julius Brents, as players that did not get full, in-depth, 25-minute prospect spotlights because they don't play a primary position of need, but they're all players that I would be extremely happy with if the Dolphins picked. What I would like to do is acknowledge my top option at each position that is on this horizontal draft board. And I'm doing the top option that I deem to be realistic. So I won't acknowledge B. John Robinson here at the running back position, but I will say Jameer Gibbs, I think there's a modest chance. It sounds like the buzz is really heating up for him to come off the board in the first round. If he does, so be it. We'll move on. But Jameer Gibbs is my favorite fit for the Dolphins. Darnell Washington, my favorite fit at tight end for the Dolphins. Matthew Bergeron is my favorite fit at offensive tackle for the Dolphins in this class that has a realistic chance of being there. John Michael Schmitz, because of positional versatility and polish from a fundamental standpoint, is my favorite fit on the interior offensive line for the Dolphins. Mozzie Smith is my favorite fit at interior defensive line, a.k.a. defensive tackle, for the Miami Dolphins. I will readily acknowledge he, like Jameer Gibbs, feel like players that are trending towards going the top 30 picks. Jack Campbell is my favorite fit for the Dolphins at linebacker. He, too, feels like he's trending towards being a top 30 pick, but at that position, it's hard to say for sure, just like the two previous positions before it, defensive tackle and interior offensive line. Julius Brents is my favorite corner fit, and Sidney Brown is my favorite safety fit. If you could tell me right now that you could guarantee that Miami was going to draft one of those one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players. If you told me the Dolphins, you could guarantee me the Dolphins get one of those eight players, I would be over the moon with 51. So that fully sets the menu for who my preferred options are at each position. What combination or how it turns out is kind of our next question. So the next thing that we are going to do on the next episode of Locked on Dolphins is we're going to look at the magic number the Dolphins need. I'm going to count out all of these Tier 1, Tier 2, Tier 3 players, the objective being to land a Tier 3 player with that pick of 51. I'm going to count out how many we have on the board, determine how many we need at other positions, and then we're going to do the deep dive throughout the other positions and say, hey, on Thursday night, here's your rooting interest. Here are the players you should root to see come off the board as quickly as possible. Because the more of these players on this list come off the board, the greater probability is the Dolphins have their choice of players that we are deeming to be the best possible fits. So make sure you keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. That's going to do it for this episode of the show. Fins up. Appreciate the everydayers for checking us out. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm Kyle Krabs. Keep it locked in. It's your team every day here on the Locked on Network. Talk to you all again soon. Peace.